Welcome to Once More with Commentary. We are a Buffy podcast, and Jenny and I are here chatting. How are you, Jenny? We're here. <laughs> Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. It's Friday. Yeah. It's always good. It's a good it's day. It's late for you. It is late. I feel like my voice sounds a little bit raspy today, because um, I was shouting a lot earlier. I don't know. I shout. It's okay. Also, today at lunch, we were sucking helium out of balloons. I'm, I don't know. Did that affect anything? That's Maybe really not. kind of random, but also I'm inclined <laughs> to believe that that's why your voice is raspy. Yeah, it's definitely I don't why. think that like gas that transforms your vocal cords is not going to have a after effect <laughs> on the way your throat feels afterwards. I think it has more to do with going to a bar and talking loudly, but it, it's probably both. I'm sure it's a combination of all of those. It turns out the... Helium is still super fun. <laughs> you don't have to be 12. That's still fun. <laughs> so I just got um, home from work, so I'm going to try really hard to keep my energy levels up because we want to make this fun. So We do. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a good mood. But, I have a glass well, of wine. Well, I'm in a kind of a bad mood because it was my one of my coworkers' last days. But, oh. you know. It was one of my coworkers' last days, too, but I... Don't even, I didn't even say goodbye to him, so. <laughs> Obviously, we have a real friendship. You're super close. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this this week we watched The Witch, and then we watched um, Teacher's Pet. Uh, yes. I'm very interested to hear your thoughts. So, I think these are some quality, these are some like very season one episodes. Right, so Witch and uh, Teacher's Pet, two extremely early examples of Monster of the Week. Mm-hmm. And actual monsters, no vampires. There's no like vampires. one cameo by a vampire, a vampire, but I have no yeah. clue what he was even doing in that episode. Just making sure you remember that the master is a thing. <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we have these two not great uh, episodes. They're probably two really good examples of why people say don't start with season one. This is season one. It's true. Though I think at the end of the day, I I think I like The Witch. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts because you said this is your least favorite episode. It is one of my our, least favorite episodes. On our FAQs on our website for Buffy, all our fans. And I think it's very, to me, the episode seems very like stilted and awkward and, hmm. you know, hmm. everyone's still kind of getting into the rhythm of their characters and like, you know, this show, but I think it also, like, tonally is just very different from the two episodes that come before it. Like, all of a sudden, yeah. you're not really dealing with vampires, you're dealing with a witch, and mm-hmm. it takes them, you know, half the episode to kind of figure that part out anyway. And, yeah. and it's just kind of like, I don't know, I feel like they figure some stuff out way too fast, and they're a little bit slow on the uptake on others, and okay. um, it's... It's never been one of my favorites. The ending is very creepy, which is it great. It is very creepy. But Both of these had some had creepy endings. Yeah. I will say, though, um, I like w- upon watching it this time, I was kind of expecting that I hated it more, and I was a little surprised mm-hmm. that... I mean, it's extremely entertaining, just like the fashion continues to be... And the music. Oh, God. All of it. Okay. So, yeah. So maybe we should just kind of get into a brief recap and get into get into the witch. I've got some specific, I think, sort of specific questions for you, but... Okay. Um, um, do you want to recap this time, or do you want me to do it? Yeah, okay. I'll do I'll do my best, and you feel I'll, I'll do, uh, I'll take, um, the, uh, teacher's pet. Okay. Yeah, because I, I think I really don't like that episode. <laughs> uh, that one was well, so bad. I was going to say that that one, is- I actually think, is, like... A really so early example of, like, the way the humor is going to go. It's true. But, but yeah, so so the witch 
is like it's funny because it kind of picks up I feel like the first two episodes of the season are really strong and they really set the stage for like what's going on in this town and what's Buffy's role in it and blah 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 so this is kind of like jumping off of that uh Buffy and it you know it just rehashes the theme of like Buffy wants to be a normal teenage girl and so she like Giles is really mortified to find out that she wants to try out for the cheerleading team um, I believe but he turns, thinks it's a cult. <laughs> he does refer to it as a cult. That is pretty a pretty like classic intro where like Giles is describing a thing and you think obviously it's a monster and then it turns or a cult and it turns out to just be pom poms trying out for cheerleaders <laughs> cheerleading. Um, but yeah, so Buffy's trying out for the cheerleading squad and as it turns out, like it's a really stiff competition and she meets this girl Amy who is all seems really also like super intense about getting on the squad. Um, and she finds out from Willow that this girl, Amy, like, she used to be super cool, but now she's, like, just basically pretty warped because her mom has put all this pressure on her to make it onto the cheerleading team. So then, like, one by one, kind of, um, what's that movie with Kirsten Dunst? Oh, uh, uh Drop Dead pageant? Gorgeous? Drop Dead Gorgeous, like, Drop Dead Gorgeous style, like, one by one, uh, cheerleaders start dropping, like, getting killed or injured in, in really, really serious ways. ways. I mean... In really horrific like, ways. The first girl, her arms just set on fire when she's doing a dance routine. Um, yeah, so, you know, one by one, like, these things start happening, and so, of course, you know, now that Buffy and Giles are kind of a team, and Willow and, and Xander as well, they're like, okay, something fishy is clearly going on. They discover that somebody's they decide that somebody's putting a spell on these girls and for a while they think that it's amy who's so desperate to please her mom but as it turns out in fact amy's mother has switched body has put a spell on her to switch bodies like freaky friday style and she and then her mother has continued to cast these spells to like get girls off killed off the squad well, i don't know killed if her very serious mate freaky seriously friday mean. style if one half of the exchange isn't wishing to be the other one. <laughs> fair enough <laughs> Um, but yeah, so eventually they realize that it's the mom who's been the villain the whole time. Buffy, like, there's like a, you know, a dramatic conclusion and, uh, they defeat her. I think that's kind of the recap. Yes. And, and I, a lot of this I would agree with, like, I think watching this, I was really struck by, you know, in the first two episodes, Buffy and Giles are still getting used to each other, like figuring Mm -hmm. out, you know, stuffy Brit and like Valley Girl, essentially, if you want to boil them down to like stereotypes and... In mm-hmm. this episode, like, very quickly, you kind of get a sense that, like, Giles is starting to care for his charge. Like, I mean, it is his right. job to take care of her, but he also, like, is extremely worried when um, Amy, or they think Amy, casts a spell is on her. Is going after and, Buffy, yeah. And, and decides that instead of just maiming or harming her like she does the other cheerleaders, that she wants to mm-hmm. kill Buffy because Buffy is actually aware that she's a witch. And so, right, has figured it I out, yeah. they call it, like, a vengeance blood spell or something. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. And they're all really worried. And yeah. um, I, that was kind of nice to see, like, how quickly that, like, father-daughter dynamic kind of comes into the fore. That's true. Um, also, nice to see is the, like, most classic jock jams of all jock jams. <laughs> <laughs> this episode epi- opens up on, like, or at least early in the episode, right? Like, they're doing these cheerleaders tryouts, and it's got that song. That, like, I had to look up the name because I don't know what it is. Um, but it was definitely, like, track one on, like, jock jams one. <laughs> Uh, like y'all ready for this song yeah do you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah that um, I just like that just like gave me weird flashbacks it's the song is called get ready for this instead of y'all ready for this but whatever is that the song that they played though or is just something really similar no it was definitely that okay I looked it up on a website that I was like Buffy the witch soundtrack (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no I that that took me back um, I didn't go to a cheerleading or a sports game from all of sixth grade through high school but I didn't play that song at some point 
Um, so also, I did like you know, it's a little bit of like a reset as you do in like the first few episodes right. of a new show, and um, we kind of have to once again reestablish that Xander and Willow aren't going to just stand to the side and let Buffy mm-hmm. do her Slayer thing. They want to help her. Um, mm-hmm. I believe they actually officially call themselves Slayerettes, the which Slayerettes. thank God that doesn't stick around. <laughs> it is good. That didn't like stick. Xander it's protesting that he would no. like to be a Slayerette is mm-hmm. a bit much. Um, Xander continues to just be infatuated with Buffy, which is immediately so annoying. I just want him to get over there. Although I love when Willow, like, her, like, relief and, like, humor when Buffy just, like, calls Xander one of the girls. (laughs) (laughs) I do enjoy that. It's good. Yeah, I mean, this is, it's, it's an interesting episode. Um, Once again, like, a huge chunk of the opening credits come from this episode, particularly. (laughs) That was weird. Yeah. Especially that cauldron boiling. Because that really is not indicative of where the show goes. Like, no. there are witches and there are spells and there are supernatural things, but nobody ever boils a, like, green, a, like, boiling green cauldron ever again. No. Like, that weird, like, that liquid, like, also weirdly mm-hmm. didn't splash, which kind of freaked no, me out No, it was very weird. That was very stagey. I was like, how do I adopt these techniques for, like, when I'm frying things in hot oil in the kitchen <laughs> so I don't <laughs> splash myself? Um, but... Like the, uh, I will say from the credits, there's always that scene in the first few seasons where it's the scene where um, Amy's mother is being, uh-huh. like, but it, but they do I it without the effects in the opening mm-hmm. credits, and so I was always like, what is this weird dancey thing? Like, I always thought it was Willow. Yeah. Like until I literally like a few nights ago watched this, I was like, oh my god, that's Amy's mom. This <laughs> whole time, I was like, what weird episode is that with Willow? <laughs> uh, I think yeah, the way that no, she so defeats weird. her is pretty clever. Just that is just a mirror. Yeah, she's trying to cast a spell on Buffy, and Buffy like throws something reflective at her, so it bounces back. I mean, who knows? Is that really how witchcraft works? Mm, uh, maybe, but probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does witchcraft work at all? That's the main question. Yeah, um, you know, it does in the universe. Well, and it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, we're kind of talking about this isn't one of the better examples of the show, but it does introduce this element that becomes very important to the show, which is magic. I mean, in the first two episodes, they're not really doing magic. They're just using stakes to kill vampires. But, mm-hmm. like, Giles is casting spells in this episode and kind of makes reference Love he's never right. done magic before. And They're, they're kind casting of, spells in the science lab. Yeah, and they're learning... They conveniently have all the, all the things that they need, but otherwise... Right, but they're yeah. learning these are things that they need to do. And, you know, this continues throughout the show. I mean, it gets more into it, obviously, as seasons progress, but magic doesn't go away. And it's kind of very early on establishing that within yeah. the realm of vampires and demons, we've also got magic as a thing mm-hmm. that also exists. Well, yeah. And I have to wonder, like... The other huge thing that we're skipping over, though, is also they introduce Amy. Yes. Oh, well... <laughs> who becomes a very important character in the course of the series. For a character who um, doesn't really appear that much in the series, she's pretty impactful yeah, whenever she does. she is does. really important. That's a good point, um, yeah. I believe she comes back next in season three, mm-hmm. and that's a pretty creepy episode. Mm, is No, is that the Xander one? Season two, then. Oh, season two. Okay, He casts no, a love spell. Um, yeah. Is that Okay, three? that's right. I forgot about eh, that. whatever. See... She okay, comes that episode and another one in season three, they're very similar, and I always mm-hmm. get those two a little bit confused, but you're right, mm-hmm. Amy does come back in season two, but then she does come back in season three, and mm-hmm. then later... And then six. In, yeah, and then in <laughs> and six, then in the comics. I think possibly seven, I'm not sure. Um, uh, I can't remember, yeah. But no, Amy, you're right, I mean, Amy is a character that they do bring back more than once, and in this particular episode, I mean, you know, she ends the episode happy, she's living with her dad, and she's loving mm-hmm. brownies again, and... Right. I have to ask you, did you... So, 
this is a question that I always have watching this episode, and I think I came to a conclusion this time. But uh-huh. I think I from the beginning, ask. it's her mom, right? I know it's so weird. I don't. Th- I think that's honestly just like a. I think it's a fault of the episode. No, I think it's intentional. I think they want to, because it's a, you know, it's a bait and switch. They don't want you to figure out that she switched bodies until Buffy figures it out. It is a bait and switch, but But when you go back and watch it, they do a really good job with the dialogue. Interesting. I think. Because, like, she she says, like, when she's like, oh, you, like, Willow tells her, like, oh, you lost a lot of weight, and Amy's just kind of, like, had to. That's, yeah. Or, um... When she's talking about her dad leaving with trailer trash, and mm-hmm. I mean, it's so clearly in retrospect, like, oh yeah, that's her mom. It's her. That's true. But then the plot point I think that I don't understand is why didn't her mom make the cheerleading squad, or at least rank better than Buffy, who is not good. <laughs> well, that is a question. That is a fault of the writing, I would say. But yeah, it, I but think that part is just trying Amy's too hard not, to deceive you. Well, also, none of this works if Amy's not an alternate, because the, like, why is she not getting exactly cheerleaders why? on the squad yeah. if she's on the squad? Exactly. I think establishing that her mom was a really good cheerleader was the mistake. Like, it yeah. probably would have worked she, better. Even if she's working with a different body, she should have been a little bit better than she was. She's so clumsy. It's not like, oh, I don't know these moves because they're too modern. It's like she literally, like, knocks Cordelia over. Right. So, I mean, yeah. yeah but there's that. But I think that's what, what I was going to say is, like, I think it might have worked better if they had established that her mom always wanted to be a cheerleader. Right. And then she's kind of pressuring said, her daughter yeah. to do this, too. Like, I feel like that would have worked true. because maybe she's just not that good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do, I do think that it's, it's funny because I think Amy is one of the, she's the first of many characters, right? That are, I mean, maybe not even the first because Harmony's in one of the early episodes mm-hmm. where like, they just, Joss Sweden is pretty good about like, if he likes a, an actor, he's going to find a way to keep making use of you and not just write you out of the show because the initial concept was for you to be in this one episode. And so, um, it's always interesting to kind of, he does a good job though of keeping them consistent. Like, Obviously, when this episode was written, they didn't know that Amy was going to have this, like, six, seven-season-spanning arc. But I think looking at it, you know, it's clear that she's coming from, like, an abusive household. She's got a lot of issues, and her mother is a witch. And all of those things become points later on. Like, it's not everything that happens to her afterwards is totally consistent with where she started out. Like, I just think that part is very impressive of how he's really good at weaving in characters and then just oh if they're gonna stay great I didn't forget what I did in that last episode I'm gonna make that in fact just work it right into everything else that happens later so I think that that part was the thing that I really enjoyed about this episode is being like oh this is the first time you see Amy and it makes complete sense well and you I mean then you mentioned I mean I'm gonna get a little into spoilers here but the foreshadowing this sets up is Mm -hmm. just crazy I mean you're talking you're mentioning she's in an abusive household I mean the ultimate child abuse is switching bodies with your child and robbing her of her life essentially and Mm -hmm. so in a sense I mean we don't know how long this has been going on they never really talk about how long they were switched for uh no I think they said it was a couple months okay so but still still two months of her life that she lost because her mother decided for her that she couldn't live her own life but interestingly then Amy's story I mean she has a very similar situation happen to her later down the road and then she ultimately becomes maybe not like one of our heroes and Mm -hmm. you have to kind of look at that and think well if you repetitively had your life stolen from you mm-hmm. through magic, right. Where like, would you, end up? you know, yeah, that's how point. would you turn out, you know? And so, um, I think this is a really 
interesting first example of that where this time it's her mom and you know she kind of bounces back the first time and she's really cheerful and excited for the future but like maybe if that happens to you more than once you get a little jaded and cynical mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because this this version of Amy is very different from the later season she's Amy. so happy yeah. yeah or wants to be happy yeah so that is really interesting mm. and yeah I mean who knows like going in like how much they plan to use her unless you know maybe they come back and they're like we really want to do another magic episode and hmm, maybe we can bring back this character that was you mm-hmm. know related to witchcraft in some way because uh, right. in this episode I do think that's Amy's kind of why they bring her magic. back but Right, she doesn't right. know how to do it. Or at least they don't make it clear if she does or doesn't. Right. Um, um, yeah. Uh, my favorite thing. I don't want to skip over this. I think this episode might have one of the all-time best lines. <laughs> which is that Buffy's talking to her mom. And her mom is like, oh, I found... You know, because one of the themes of the episode is definitely like mother-daughter or at least parent-child relationships of... Um, you know, how the ways that they put pressure on you to be like them and also just how, it, how difficult it is to relate. You know, like, Buffy's mom clearly tries very hard. I think throughout the series, it's clear that she's a very good... She's a good mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that she always understands everything that Buffy's going through or really knows the proper ways to react to it. And so, anyway, one of these examples is that she's like, I found this yearbook of me, and she shows her a picture, and Buffy says, like, oh, I wasn't ready to see that you had Fosfera hair. <laughs> and she's like, oh, that's Gidget hair. Don't they teach you anything in history? And I'm like, that's just such a good mom line. My mom would totally say that to me. <laughs> um, no, that was kind of a charming scene. Like, you know, at first her mother's really distracted, and so she's not you know responding mm-hmm. like Buffy hears all about Amy training with her mother and unbeknownst to her this jealous. is just a complete mm-hmm. fabrication but she doesn't know that so she's mm-hmm. jealous so she's trying to get her mom interested and her mom's dealing with some museum stuff which incidentally in that scene I love how Buffy just rips the boxes open that <laughs> her, her mom, mom is, is like crowbarring open, open. Yeah. <laughs> another example Buffy's of flare like, strength uh, like she just literally see, like flips it off like cardboard it's see but that's funny though because my interpretation on that scene is like that's also just such a classic surly team moment of like her mom is over there struggling and Buffy is the superhero and she doesn't even bother to like help her she until her mom asks her, her like can you open. help me with this yeah, yeah then she does it it costs her nothing it's like hey you dumb teenager like help your mom but, but yeah like then her mom feels bad and she's trying and she's trying to mm-hmm. you know and you know suggest Buffy should join the yearbook staff which you know obviously yeah. with Buffy is not gonna happen but no um it was a nice scene so yeah. my favorite line. I mean, I just love Joyce, but yeah. In this episode is when Buffy's um, she's under a spell, and at first her spell like kind of manifests as like really hyper activity, like mm-hmm. she's got a lot of energy and like <laughs> weirdly seeing Macho Man. Oh God, I hate that. Like <laughs> off key and also why? But <laughs> she <laughs> why not? Like when um, when they're like, okay, Buffy, you're out, and Amy's the next one in, and Buffy just. Parts out. No, no, you don't want her. She's a witch. And yeah. <laughs> I always laugh at that because just the like, the emphatic like refusal of like you can't possibly want her because she's a witch. Like she's just witch. forgetting yeah. that it's supposed to be a secret and all of this. And I just I think it's one of the funniest. I think Sarah Michelle Gellar's <laughs> delivery of that is really good. Um, okay, I maintain that the Gidget line is better, but I accept your offer, your counter offer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I do want to mention though. So um, Cordelia is one of these uh, girls that makes the team and gets mm-hmm. um, she's victimized by a spell, and hers is mm-hmm. pretty bad. Like she's a yeah. little bit disoriented at first and doesn't really know what's happening. She has a driver's ed lesson, and I she's know. progressively going blind as she's right. having this lesson. But what I have to say is I 
truly identified with Cordelia in that scene because that driver's ed lesson reminded me very strongly of the time I took cold medicine before a driver's ed class. Oh, no. It went about as well as that. Oh, my God. They let you drive? Because well, you didn't say anything. Well, I didn't say anything. I didn't know that was going to happen. That was when I figured out that yeah. I should not take cold medicine if I have things to do. Yeah. Um, I was just, like, a jittery mess. And, like, I think I, like, broke down crying because, like, I just, like, like, I had to, like, put a parking brake on and, like, was just, that was so overwhelming. Um, I never had a driver's ed class like that. Oh, I had probably mm. about six weeks of it. I think they did have it at my school, though. I just didn't participate but for I, some reason. You definitely didn't have to. I have to say, I identify a lot with Cordelia in that's that funny. scene where she just is so concerned with this other thing that's happening and that she doesn't really understand, and she's yet, she's supposed to, like, pass a driver's ed course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the scary thing about that scene, though, is it's like, Who's this hack teacher who she's literally shows up and is dazed and she's like, I don't want to do this. And the teacher's like, you have to drive this car. It's like, hey, if a teenager doesn't want want to drive a car, maybe don't give them the, the weapon. Exactly. <laughs> you know, maybe don't make them do that. And there are like other Endanger students in the lives. back. Yeah, exactly. Let one of them drive. Yeah. Um, should we talk about the fashion? <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't think I made any particular notes. I, I was too focused on that jock jam. <laughs> <laughs> so I only made some notes really around, like, the cheerleading because I feel like those cheerleading okay, I was, outfits... I do have things to say about the cheerleading. <laughs> the cheerleading outfits are, like, very, um, like, sweater and skirt. Like, I'm like, what mm-hmm. what decade are these, like, cheerleading outfits supposed to be from? We totally had outfits like that when really? I was that. Like, yeah. Oh. Not in high school, but, I you know, I'm, we're a little bit younger than Buffy is, so, yeah. I mean, that's... Okay, yes, that is a cheerleading outfit that I wore when I was eight. I wore that when I was, like, 12. Yeah. Like, the, the only sweater. time I ever did cheerleading. Yeah. But I, I, they just struck me as very 90s kind of cheerleading outfits. They are. Outfits. Yeah, that's true. But I do have to say, I really liked Cordelia's tryout outfit. Like, her, okay, her, her like, star-spangled, <laughs> like, crop top and leggings. Yeah. Like, I could, like, see someone, like, wearing that now. Wearing that now. Yeah. That's true. Go ahead. I, I do... I mean, it's like a love-hate relationship with those cheerleader scenes, though, because consistently, like, even, this was true in the movie as well, like, cheerleading on screen is just so bad. (laughs) Like, uh, other than, okay, so one of the girls, Amber, she's the one that gets her hands set on fire in the beginning. She's, like, clearly a professional dancer, like, maybe actually on the Lakers. They make a joke about it in the show, but, like, in real life, right, like, the actress is a dancer. But everybody else, it's like they do these these routines that are like literally they're like go Sunnydale go. I'm like cheerleaders do cough routines that are a little more complicated. Okay, than that. well like, we have to remember the choreography budget maybe wasn't super it's extensive. True. And also, this is what we talked about in the movie was like the choreography and the cheerleading was awful. Mm-hmm. And this was but this like is just a thing. I think that's true of so many TV shows. It's like they're trying. They just don't put any effort into it. That just looks so ridiculous. Look, we've all been ruined by Bring It On. We can recognize it and it's move true. on. Like, because, and, you know, that probably wasn't remotely close to real cheerleading, but in my mind, that is the pinnacle of cheerleading art, and <laughs> nowhere else is going to come close. It's true, but, like, come up with one cheer that's better than Go Sunny Doko. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, yeah. uh, just really was like, okay, nobody says that. Well, the other thing that... It's not the 50s. Okay, so th- I will give you that the cheering is extremely distracting because it's horrific and just, it is truly <laughs> awful. And also, brat. you're right, like, Buffy just does not seem to be good at this, and this doesn't track <laughs> at all with the movie. <laughs> That's true. Because she's, like, a professional gymnast. Yeah. Um, but I will say the one thing about the cheerleading scene, so two things about that 
uh, cheerleading scene that I really liked. The, the tryouts, the tryouts. You mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Is that one, we figure out that, so this show aired in 1997, but the world mm-hmm. of the show, this is 1996, which for some reason oh. feels like even crazier to oh, me. Oh, yeah. Um, that was kind of a, like a whoa moment where I was like, oh yeah, that would have made sense. They would have filmed this in 1996. Mm-hmm. Which that always, side note, that always like... I wouldn't have thought about that. Yeah. yeah, like no one ever accounts for that. Like, wouldn't mm-hmm. you want it to be when it's airing? But I guess... Hmm. I don't know why. They probably just didn't think about it. Unless they found it. Or maybe it. they didn't know when it was airing. Well, that's that's the thing. Is they maybe they didn't know it was going to be a mid-season replacement. So it mm-hmm. would have aired in the fall of 96. That would make sense. Um, but also, Xander's reaction at those tryouts, like, mm-hmm. there is a season two episode where that script gets flipped a little bit. And that's true. this reminded me a lot of the swim team scene. Okay, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think they had that in mind when they did it. He's just kind of being a jerk, but... Absolutely. I, no, this I is just what that happens that, when you that is a funny, yeah, every right. episode too many times. Yeah. No, you're right. You know what I noticed in this episode that I could have been making up, but it seemed like I noticed two horror movie references. Okay, I did um, not. Okay, the first one is the one that's a little bit more tenuous of... Uh, <laughs> is it Gremlins? It is, it's not Gremlins. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, it... It, admittedly, this might be because I watched Aliens last weekend. Uh, that was like our Easter <laughs> Easter plans was we watched Aliens and died eggs. Because why not? Um, Aliens is the sequel. It's no, the second movie. But mm-hmm. Alien, the first movie, uh, it, it's a very scary... It's, it's a lot more of a, like... It's a tense, tense movie, and there's a lot of jump scares. And one of the ways that they accomplish some of those scares is that there's a cat on the ship. And sometimes a cat just jumps out. Uh, they parody it in commu- in a community episode as well, where it's just like, why does this cat keep jumping out at us? And it's just like, oh, because it's a callback to Alien. Um, anyway, but when they're in, uh, when they break into Amy's house and they go in the attic, like Buffy opens a trunk and a black cat just jumps out of it for no reason. I believe that's, also that's in the credits, called a but... familiar. Yeah, maybe, but why was it in the trunk? Well, that's a really good question. I don't know how the cat <laughs> got in the trunk. Maybe the cat was on top of the trunk. Then she would have seen it, and she wouldn't have been scared by it. I maintain it's an intentional reference. It might not be, but I'm going to call it one. It's possible. Just a, a random cat that jumps out at you to just provide a jump scare. Huh. Literally, it has nothing else to do with anything other than... I'll give you that. To add, I mean, add ten, tension to the scene. I will give you that, because like the execution of it sounds very much like Alien, but mm-hmm. also cats and witches kind of... Obviously. Yeah. I knew, yes, no. Obviously, it could be a familiar, yeah. but... My other and the other thing, the reason why I really was like, oh, maybe they're, they're making intentional horror callouts is because also at the end of this, at the end of the episode, um, you know, a, they've discovered that Amy is in fact her mom, and they're at the school, and she starts chasing them, and they're in like the science lab, and they close the door, and then she grabs like a fire axe and and starts axing the door. That's very like uh, the shiny, yes, you know, it Jack is. Nicholson. It, it, it was like almost was. I mean, that one, that one was so much more blatant that I was like, oh. That, that makes sense that, you know, part of this mission is to, like, turn horror movies on their head. But it makes sense to me, too, that Joss Whedon would be making intentional horror movie call-ups kind of just whittled in there. I've never really noticed them otherwise, so I wonder if there's more or if that was just, like... I mean, it could just be me car- getting carried away, but... Well, maybe those are ones that you recently saw and so you notice it. Mm-hmm. Also, would it have been better had she hacked through the door and then goes, here's brownies? <laughs> <laughs> no. Speaking of community. It's just, everything is just community now. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much, yeah. Um, so I do want to move on to Teacher's Pet, but first I do want to talk about the, the ending of this episode. Yes. Because okay. it is one of the creepier endings. And it it's is. not the first, it's not the last time that we 
a, we see this cheerleading statue. True. So the, both of these episodes have weird endings. They do, and yeah. so and they're both kind of open ended, which is kind of mm-hmm. interesting. But so the first question I have is like the spell that the mother is doing, is she choosing the place that she's trying to banish Buffy to? Or That's a good question. Or did I mean, the I don't spell think choose like a fitting, all. you know, like a fitting end for her? Like, because, you know, she, and her, like her soul essentially ends up living in this yeah. like cheerleading trophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this super creepy shot at the end of the eyes that, well, actually the CGI is terrible, but the, it is very <laughs> creepy. Like you, you zoom in on this, this cheerleading trophy and it's like a yeah. figure of a girl with she's like pom-poms like and then her yeah. eyes are moving back and forth and she's like screaming it's really creepy it is really creepy especially yeah again like you said to just kind of imagine that that's just there the rest of the run of the soul well it series. is like, like people yeah. like there are a couple instances i think where characters are like does does that statue oh you're right like, there is definitely some call-outs yeah. to it um but that's I, it's and it's you know in the way they leave it that's just like boom closing credits it's a creepy you know, to their credit, I mean, this is a TV show that aired at eight o'clock. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's actually no, pretty you're creepy. Right. Um, and I have to wonder, like, if that had worked on Buffy or if she was trying to banish Amy. I forget who, but you know, yeah, is that where I think they she was trying to cast a spell on Amy? Right. It's a good question, though. I feel like at that point, you know, they really hadn't, as much as we're saying, like they use this episode to introduce magic to the series. Like, I think they also really hadn't established magic because another thing that happens in this episode is that Giles says oh this is the first time I've ever casting a spell and it's like well that doesn't make any sense well <laughs> later so down the line is... it makes sense in this episode but clearly you know later he he's an accomplished oh well okay like, you're right that doesn't there's there's some continuity track, yeah. mishaps there with his backstory yeah. that they established Which later I think it's totally fair yeah. it's just like okay you guys didn't necessarily know what all this was going to turn into but you could also argue, like, casting those types of spells versus maybe what they later established he was doing are a little bit different. Um, but that's, I think, semantics trying oh, to Oh, funny. Fix. See, because I think we're not even, yeah, we're not even thinking about the same things. I'm really thinking, like, season seven where, or season six where he just, like, wields unimaginable power. And it's like, oh, Giles, you no, didn't five I'm years ago start his, casting like, spells. His, his Ripper days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but we don't need to get too into that yet. No. <laughs> but either way, it just doesn't, it really doesn't make sense because they, again, later established that, like, in order to be a watcher you've spent years studying all of these things, so it just seems very silly that he would have never cast a spell, even if it was a basic one. That's true, but I also think they do kind of implicitly, you know, it's kind of implied that, you know, these watchers train for a really long time, but they don't really have active... They don't do a lot. Right, there's no, like, active experience. Like, you know, we see watchers come in who, like, have no idea what they're doing, and it's all Mm -hmm. about books, and so... um, I think at this point that's kind of still how Giles' background is supposed to be, and then as they flesh out the character down the road, they kind of forego a little yeah. bit of continuity. But, I mean, you're right. I mean, I thought it was cer- certainly humor- humorous with, like, Giles doing magic for the first time. Being hapless. Yeah, yeah but oh, Giles, also you know that doesn't doing. really jive with later things that we learned about him. Mm-hmm, that's, yeah. That's no, a good point. point. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Oh, wait, I have one more oh, question. okay. What's your question? This is a thing that I couldn't really make heads or tails of. This isn't really a question for you, but in this episode, there's two scenes where Buffy breaks her alarm clock and then later is repairing it. What? I couldn't figure out what to do with that scene. I guess they were maybe making some sort of comment on... I don't want to sound stupid here, but I was just like, hi, what is going on here? There's just a scene where she wakes up in bed and she smacks her alarm clock and it breaks. Oh, maybe maybe they're just trying to show that she's super strong. I think that's (sighs) that. When is she trying to repair it? At the very final shot, or, like, one of the very final scenes of the episode, it's not the final shot because that was Amy's mom in the thing, but um, she's, like, having a conversation with her mom, and she's, like, 
she's just it, they don't remark on it at all she's just sitting on her bed like trying to put her alarm clock back together okay you're blowing my mind right now to me because i have seen this episode i don't know how many times and like i had no idea what you were talking about I was like, when well, did she break her alarm clock? When is she trying to fix it? Like Exactly, because they both take they're both like two second long scenes. It was just so weird. I was like, why spend time on this? Okay, I'm immediately after this going to watch that. Go because watch it. I, Wait, I have to figure, yeah. I've never noticed that before, but that's just a great kind of background like sight gag kind of yeah. thing of like this must be what it be what it's like to go through the world with slayer strength. Right. Like I was pros and cons. Yeah. When I was watching it, I was like, is this a, is this a weird episode about some sort of weird symbol about time and like her mom taking over her life? But now that I'm explaining it to you, clearly it's to demonstrate that she's too strong and she just smacked, smacked her alarm clock the way anybody would to snooze it and in fact broke it. That's funny. I guess it's good uh. she's not using her iPhone for her alarm. Well, true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Like All right. That's everything I have about. Pre-cell phone days. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So Teacher's Pet is the next monster of the week. And oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is like... I don't even... I mean, it's, I think, a really great early example of the humor that this show is capable of, but this Mm -hmm. monster is a doozy. It is. It's not. So, okay. I really admire where they're going, but it just doesn't work for me. Also, I feel like this is an episode that just shows up on a lot of different shows, especially ones that have kind of supernatural bents, is, like, hot substitute teacher lady shows up and... All the boys in class, like, go crazy for her. Turns out she's mm-hmm. evil, and there's some, like... Like, I think there was, like, a <laughs> similar twist, episode yeah. of, like, Smallville where this happened. Like, you know what? It's just... It's such a tired trope, but... It is, yeah. Also, that teacher is, like, very... Obviously, she's supposed to be, like, very attractive, but, like, she struck me as, like, very 90s attractive. Like... Totally. It's tough to watch it now and be like, and, like, why would anyone like, care? Yeah. Power... Like, they, I think they even mentioned her shoulder pads at one point. <laughs> Um, okay, so to recap this episode, um, you know, they start out, they're in biology, and, oh God, it's so annoying, Xander's having a yeah, dream where he just, saves Buffy from uh, vampires, like, this is never a thing that's uh, ever going to need to happen, Xander, just get over it. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, it is kind of an, anno- you know, ugh. Okay. I was so... You explain, and then we can go back I was to so that, annoyed by that scene. It is annoying. the less said about it, the better, and, um... Turns out they're in bio class, and there's this moment where Buffy kind of bonds with her teacher. He mm-hmm. really doesn't want to hold her past against her. He's trying to tell her she's smart. She can be a good student if she just applies herself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of a touching moment. And then the next day, Cordelia finds this teacher beheaded in the school cafeteria. Um, <laughs> when she's going to get her doctor Her doctor prescribed uh, <laughs> diet lunch or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Um, and so they find this beheaded body, and they need to figure out, like, It doesn't really seem like vampires, what killed it. And meanwhile, this new substitute teacher shows up, and all the boys are going gaga over her. Mm -hmm. Um, But we slowly kind of start to realize she's a little bit strange. Like, she's eating bugs. She's really fascinated with insects, and she's Mm -hmm. basically telling them how to kill her. Like, that's what's crazy. It's like she's talking about, (laughs) like... a little bit crazy, yeah. So we come to find out she's actually, like, a life-size praying mantis. I believe the technical term is she-mantis. Really? Um, yeah, that's what they called her. She's oh, a she mantis. <laughs> and from Giles' friend who had, like, encountered her in England or whatever, and now I he's, see, like, yeah. raving mad. Um, so, but turns out, like, her goal is to lure men to her to mate with, and then she's going to behead them. Mm-hmm. Um, but her other name is Virgin Thief because she <laughs> prefers virgin men, mm-hmm. which provides, I think, some of the humor in that Xander in episode, and this other yeah. student get taken. And... Um, 
and upon hearing this, you know, Buffy's kind of like, well, then Xander's probably, he'll, you know, and Willow's like, he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm really doing a horrible job of recapping this, but it's very simple. Like, substitute teacher shows up, turns thing. out yeah. she's a giant praying mantis of all things, and uh, they have to figure out how to defeat her. And there's this whole subplot about they're making model eggs for the science fair which I think they're mm-hmm. supposed to actually be real eggs that they think are model eggs or something mm-hmm. and then there's this closing shot of like eggs eggs under the in the under the desk in the science lab again yeah so that um, weird. how did you feel about this episode I mean you know I feel like they're going for a comment on teen sexuality <laughs> I think so yeah I just think it was it just ends up being so creepy and so weird like there's just so much about it that just doesn't make sense I will say that I so of these two episodes I I, I like the witch that one does not bother me I really enjoyed okay, watching well, it Jenny, I'm gonna tell I you, if you like that episode you better start referring to it by its actual name <laughs> what is it witch, witch? <laughs> oh why did I say the I don't know you're close enough <laughs> whatever witch I'm just the episode the witch I'm being mean uh <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this one, I, I don't really like the plot. Again, you know, with my more modern eyes, Xander just really doesn't work for me. But there's a lot of stuff going on in the background that was very good. So it's like, even though I don't love this main storyline, there's still so much cool stuff. And again, things that become very consistent in the background. So like, a thing that I did really like, that moment where Buffy bonds with her teacher, that happens a few times. Yeah. Especially in high school where she meets a teacher who really is like, hey, you're clearly smart. Like, he literally tells her, tells her like, oh, you're so quick-witted or something along those lines. And it's like, well, yeah, she is. Like, it's clear that she doesn't have time to study, but, like, she's always punning when she's murdering monsters. Like, she's pretty smart or, like, quick on the uptake. You know what I mean? So it's like, I like that this guy sees something very specific in her, not, like, it's not that she's brainy the way Willow is, but it's that she's she's quick. You know, she can she's witty. She will pick things up. So um, anyway, it's also clearly because the theme that any of these teachers, as soon as somebody shows an interest in Buffy, well, you're going to die. That's well, you've doomed yourself. Pretty much. <laughs> um, so I feel like, oh, as soon as you see them bonding, I think I was watching it with Alex and he was like, oh, that's so nice. Oh, or does that mean he's going to die? And I was like, mm, yes. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, I do appreciate, though, that they take that scene with, like, the teachers trying to seduce a student and mm-hmm. basically turns into this nightmare scenario that it's supposed to be. But, like, true. That's for some true. reason on Unlike teen shows, they are always, like, romanticizing yeah. this. And it's like, no, of course she's a monster that's going to hurt you. Like, mm-hmm. she's a, she's, she was like, already you're a her prey yeah. and she's a predatory yeah. creature. Like, that's yeah. the that's actual scenario that's happening. Mm-hmm. Not this, like, we're so in love, and he, it doesn't matter if it's my teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Xander doesn't even question his teacher giving him a martini. Like, that, all, that whole know. scene was just crazy. Or asking them to do the science fair project at her apartment. Or saying at all, we're doing the science fair project. Who wants to work with me on it one-on-one? On, one on one? Like, lady, that's not how science fairs work. That's not how school <laughs> that's works. never a like, time when you do a project with your teacher. Yeah. Um, I do enjoy, though, like, he's kind of slowly figuring out what's happening, and he's like, your hands, your hands are really serrated. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think, like, this This is what I'm talking about. Like, the the basic plot of this episode is truly horrible, but the humor in it yeah. is, like, everything that happens with Cordelia in this episode is just <laughs> perfect. Like, Buffy gets hauled to this grief counseling session by the principal, yeah. and she's overhearing Cordelia, and... I mean, I don't know if it was during that session or... No, I think it's, like, Cordelia's talking about, like, trying to look on the bright side. 
And she was like, you know how like even a used Mercedes has leather seats? Yes. And I was cracking up because it's like, it's so insensitive. It's so awful. But it's so purely Cordelia. That's true. Her lens that she views the world through is like materialistic. Right. But she's often like, the sentiment is often like spot on. But mm-hmm. like she just has a horrible way of expressing things. It's true. This this episode also had a moment when they're in the library and somebody was like, "Where are the where are the books on bugs?" It's like you guys spend every day in the library and you don't know where any of the books are. It's just because they're only looking at Giles' special of course, collection. Of course, it's just very funny to be like, "Oh well, that makes sense." Why would you know where any of the books are? Yeah. You're only in there every day. <laughs> There's some pretty bad CGI in this episode. Yeah, and some flashbacks. I think there was a flashback scene when Buffy was, like, flashing back to the teacher explaining praying mantises. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I was like, uh, please don't do that again. Um, so the one part I did forget in my recap is this very tiny subplot with Angel, mm-hmm. who wasn't in Witch, and he shows back up here, and um, Buffy kind of calls him out, like, you're always appearing and disappearing, like, who are mm-hmm. you? He gives her his jacket. His jacket. I mean, that was a pretty swoon-worthy scene. We should not skip over it. <laughs> but he, he shows up to warn her about this, like, clawed vampire that mm-hmm. is apparently, like, running around town. And the only purpose of this vampire, like, Buffy doesn't even fight this vampire. Like, the no, only purpose is, true. like, she, she sees this vampire, like, walking around, and then <laughs> she sees him, sorry, <coughs> encounter the teacher... <laughs> Yeah. And he's afraid of her. Right, and, But that's right. his sole purpose is to alert <laughs> you that there's something off about the teacher. Yeah, that's true. It's weird. It's so weird. Like, it's such a throw, especially for, like, that sounds like a really cool demon. Like, a vampire yeah. with a clawed arm. Like, I want to see more of that thing. Yeah. But, like, literally he's there to, like, run away and go down the sewer. And she doesn't um, even, like, try to follow up and kill him. That's true. I mean, really, he's there, right, to keep Angel in the episode and make sure that he's appearing so that we don't all forget about him. I forget, is David Boreanaz a regular at this point? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Ah! He might be. He might be. This is what I get for skipping the credits all the time. I didn't skip, but I wasn't paying attention. I do think it's funny that they never never really explain why Angel is so cryptic. It's like, dude, every episode so far he's like, there's a really dark power. I was like, hey, just tell me what it is. He literally knows every time. It's not because he doesn't know. He, he's just being cryptic. I kind of have to wonder, is like, it's obviously they're trying to make him mysterious. Right. Like, it's a really <laughs> over way to do it. Like, but, like, maybe you could chalk helpful. it up to he's trying to, like, test her. Maybe, but he could Seems be unnecessary. more specific. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that he gives her his jacket. It's very cute. Even if it's, like, obvious. Yeah. I guess I'm just, you know. I do. I'm easy. Okay, so... We talked about, well, is there really any... The only fashion I could think of is, like, the teacher's outfits. That's true. We can She's do. wearing a miniskirt the whole time, too, which is also, like, hey, lady. Well, I think this was also, like, Allie McBeal era, where, like, that's mm, kind of what that's people true. wore. Um, I'll give you that. Yeah. But I do want to talk about the ending of this one as well. Because okay. we were talking about these two episodes have really creepy kind of open-ended endings. And unlike which, where you kind of revisit you know, that statue at some points, like, mm-hmm. what happened to the eggs? Like, what they never, ever mention <laughs> this army of giant she-mantises that right, overran right. the school. Like, it's never happened. And I'm guessing the the idea is that maybe, um, well, you know, the idea is supposed to be that, like, she mates with these victims and then beheads them, but, like, she just straight up beheads the, the teacher. Like, mm-hmm. she doesn't try to mate with him. So, like, who... Who, like, fertilized these weird eggs? Like, 
I feel like they do make reference to another student, but maybe not. Okay. Or was it the was it like the douchey kind of frat guy? Maybe it was it. But they're all. He was there the, for a day. Um, okay, no, he does make reference to like he's witnessed what she does with her her prey, but so he, they're in like a weird else. basement, like of a house. So how did those eggs yeah. get into the closet in the school? Like this is all it is like good. it makes for yeah. a really effective kind of creepy closing scene. But like when you think about it, you're like, wait, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, I do think though that it makes sense, kind of in the course of Sunnydale, to be like, well, they killed most of them, but like obviously these big mantises are going to continue going. Like Buffy never makes it's never a point where she like I've defeated all the vampires, they're done. You know, like she defeats one demon at a time, but not the whole class of demons at once. So, in that way, I think it it does kind of make sense that they're still lingering, though it is creepy that they're still in the school. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, given the size of Miss French, which that's her name, Miss mm-hmm. French is so Miss French. Okay. Um, like given her size when she's full grown, like I just feel like they would have noticed. Yeah. I don't know. I, have I think they must have. Questions. They must have made a quick break for it as soon as they hatched. Yeah, I don't know. Um, a couple of other things that I noticed in this one. I mean, I guess this is really just kind of going back to, like, the function the function of Cordelia at this point in the series. is like, she's always the one finding the bodies. It's like, yes. I feel like over this season and the next season, Cordelia really finds a lot of dead bodies. Um, so it's just kind of funny. She does a good job screaming and reacting, so why wouldn't she find them all? But um, she's 100% here as comic relief. Like, totally. She's talking about, like... She lost seven ounces because she couldn't eat after seeing this. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. I mean, and I think I said this last time, but like, really, I just like this time around. I think I'm really noticing like Charisma Carpenter right off the bat. She's is so funny. Just yeah, so good at this role. Like, she is. She's so funny, and like the writing is obviously super great too. But she's just carrying this off as like mm-hmm. you kind of get this sense of like Cordelia is like. She's very. She's already very multifaceted. Like, yes, she's a right. mean girl, but she's also like encountering these traumatic experiences and, like, and trying kind to like, of, live with it. Yeah, and kind of yeah. coming away with a little more. Like, sh- maybe she's focusing on these weird, like, materialistic analogies, but like that's how she's dealing with it. But right. she also comes across as like she's she's mean in that she's like she's insults them and like doesn't really want to be friends with them, but like she'll interact with them. Like she's not yeah. ignoring them, yeah. and like she's you know she kind of recognizes when the situation calls for it, like, these are the people that are around you, and, like, she's already kind of starting to catch on that, like, these people are sort of know what's going on. Of, her, like, what's yeah. happening. Yeah, that's true. I do think she's she's great. She she totally nails it. Yeah. Um, yeah, the other thing that I think is kind of notable is that in... So after the science teacher dies and they find that out, there's a scene where they're all in the library and they're talking about it, and Buffy is, like, crying about it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh she's not going to cry about everybody else that dies forever, you know, the rest of the series. Obviously, a lot of people are going to die because uh, that's just kind of the nature of the show. But I do think that that was kind of, I don't know, just made, it made sense. Like, well, she, I think she, she still hasn't like, really gotten used to that yet. She's been in, doing this for over a year, she says. And mm-hmm. she's seen a bunch of vampires. But, like, vampires, I feel like the way vampires operate, like, she's become desensitized to that. But also, it's mm-hmm. just it's still a little less messy like mm-hmm. this is her first encounter with like a demon that like beheads people right like, that's a little bit more horrifying than like two puncture wounds in a neck right and who, I mean for some person who then is gonna be re- you know who's gonna come back to life right and those people don't really die 
Also, but, like, this was also, like, a victim that she had a personal connection right. with. Which, the first teacher who had really made an effort. Yeah, and, like, she she cared about Jesse because Xander and Willow cared about Jesse, but she met him for, like, five minutes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I thought that was nice to be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense that at this point she's just not, she can't just easily cope with it and move on. She's really traumatized by it. I mean, not to say that, obviously, she's going to continue to be traumatized by this role that she plays in her life, and that becomes the theme, but... You know, anyway, they're just kind of sweet to be like, oh, Buffy, you're so young and and you're still, you're not hard yet. She's learning the power of homework. Mm-hmm. <laughs> learning the power of homework, that's true. <laughs> she does ultimately beat this villain by having paid attention once in class. <laughs> they don't really be re- revisit that. There's not very many other times where she, like, uses knowledge from school. <laughs> no. I mean, I think, okay, in retrospect, I'm not going to say, like, I mean, I, I think I enjoyed this episode more than Witch, just because mm-hmm. I think, for me, like, the humor really carries it pretty far. Okay. Um, but in terms of, like, this is probably one of the worst monsters of the week, if not... Yeah. Well, not the worst. Um, it's not That's the coming worst. up soon, yeah. but... <laughs> one of the bottom few. I just, like, don't have much more to say about it, other than yeah. I watched it, and now I don't I, have to. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I think what worked, again, just not, just not to just rehash this over and over again, but I think what really works for me in Witch is also just Amy's performance. Like, the actress is just very good at playing both sides of it, of being really, really, really vulnerable and pained, and then also being really evil. And, like, that, again, becomes a thing that she's going to do throughout the rest of the series of, like, Amy really has good intentions, but then she ends up just getting overwhelmed by magic, pretty much, and then it's like, oh, you see really ugly sides of her, so, I don't know. I just magic think, again, I could totally... Magic you. What are you talking about? We don't see any <laughs> evidence of that throughout this show. No. But I just really could see in her performance already, it's like, oh, I can see why they kept you around, because you just really did a great job with that, and so it was engaging to just kind of watch her wonder what she was going to do next. And I didn't look this up, but I was curious if maybe that actress also auditioned for either... Um, Buffy or of, somebody, yeah. Like, any of the three main female characters. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, and, and I will say Willow in these episodes is, like, super helpful, and she's there, but she's, you know... I feel like of all the characters, Willow takes the longest to really get going. Mm-hmm. Like, I you kind of get a sense yeah. of who she is from day one, because Allison Hannigan is, like, doing great with like what she mm-hmm. has but you know like Xander's there to like be mooning after Buffy and Cordelia's kind of comic relief and Willow's smart like she's hacking into all these um <laughs> you know city offices and all of that and Giles kind <laughs> all of the electrical the tunnel plans yeah yeah but like other than that she's kind of like the character on the show who's like the techie person that's like you know gets stuff done when you know you need just the plot to move forward but like you know, the emotional stuff of Willow hasn't really kicked in yet. I mean, it's a little bit in the background. Like, she, you can tell she she's has a crush on... She's Xander, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, she's not letting that get in the way of, like, her forming this new friendship with Buffy. That's true, Which yeah. is really refreshing, actually. That's true. Like, I really yeah, love they that. don't ever get... Like, throughout the show, I really love that, like, there's this complicated dynamic, but, like, it's just a complicated dynamic. Like, it never mm-hmm. really ruins the friendships. Like That's very true, Like, yeah. Willow never, for a second blames Buffy for any of Xander's right. actions. Like, she right. recognizes that they're separate people and Xander is responsible for his own things. But but I think at this point, like, we don't really have a read on, like, what Willow's role is going to be. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, like, I'm expecting, like, I should have more to say about, like, Willow in these episodes, but I kind of don't. Yeah, she is just kind of... I mean, she is there, still. like, she's 
just completely laughing at Xander's like hapless attempts to like impress the teacher. I mean, like, mm-hmm. like Xander's trying to impress her and show her where biology is, and he's like asking for them for a little bit of help, like, and they just kind of <laughs> laugh at him, like they're just like, eh, sorry, yeah. this is more entertaining. So, hmm. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I guess I'm kind of with you. I did enjoy watching these again, but these also are definitely the sort of episodes where you're like, oh, right, this is why I tell people don't watch this season. <laughs> no, like, 100%. So, like, I mean, I think I'm enjoying it out of, like, affection and nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And, like, honestly, even the worst episodes of the show are some of my favorite episodes of television just because, like, they're in this world. And, honestly, the terrible episodes are light years ahead of half of what's on TV now. So Totally, you yeah. Know, it's it's well, and again, still great, but... I still think there's all these background elements to pick up on as, like, yeah. a super fan. If I've seen this... I've already seen this ten times now. I can really focus on Buffy smashing her alarm clock and what does that mean and what was that indicating. So, yeah. I think right. There's a lot of stuff, fun stuff to pick up. But also, it's always really fun when you, like, have this world that you know really well because you've watched it so many times and you, like, really love to, like, see people living in it. And, like, then to go back and kind of revisit the world building and, like, how mm-hmm. they kind of... How they got there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, how they set the rules and, you know... I mean, we're talking about seasons, like, I mean, episodes three and four here. And right. there are elements of these episodes that, whether they planned it or not, carry all the way through to the end of the show. Yeah, no, that's true. So, You're totally right. Yeah. I mean, that part is enjoyable to go back and kind of see the little nuggets that, like, you have to kind of keep an eye out for, but... Beyond that, I mean, it's, like, I I will say Teacher's Pet I had to kind of watch in two parts. Like, I <laughs> I got halfway through it and was, like, I need a break. <laughs> um, and I do want to also kind of just retouch on, like, Xander's fantasy is completely about him rescuing Buffy. And it's, it's about like, him. Well, That's the point. Xander, this is why this is never going to work. Because you're never going to, your fantasy is never going to be about, like, fighting demons alongside her. It's always about, like, putting her in this weird submissive position like I think again that's why like Angel and her do work better is because they fight together they're fighting things together you know well like okay so here's the thing like Xander is having these fantasies about Buffy that are purely about him and like how mm-hmm. he wants to appear to Buffy but right. never for a second taking into account what he knows about Buffy so far exactly like, that yeah. she is capable of taking care of herself she would never in a million years need his she help want or to swoon over like a guitar solo or yeah. whatever and then you have like the real actual interactions of Buffy and Angel where I mean Angel's being weirdly mysterious and like not forthcoming which is bizarre but at the same time like He's recognizing this capable person in front of him who doesn't need more help than he's giving. Like, maybe he's recognizing, like, she'll do enough with this. And and also, you could argue at this point that Angel's trying to kind of um, remain mysterious so as not to expose himself. That's true. Um, That's a great point. (laughs) Yeah, but... Yeah, she doesn't know he's a vampire yet. (laughs) Right, but, you know, their interactions are purely about what he knows about her. Like, it's more, like, he's Mm -hmm. interacting with a real person versus this, like, fantasy idea. Now, you could argue that maybe Buffy's interacting eventually with, like, a fantasy version of Angel, although that's not really happening yet, but... I, the, everything about the Xander yeah, but still, it just never makes, is just horrific. It's hard to, to be me. sympathetic to him when it's like you're spending all this time with her and you still can't be bothered to figure out what makes her tick because right. you're so stuck in your own weird fantasy. But <laughs> I will say at the same time, that seems very realistic for it a does, yeah. boy. Like True. It's and all to Xander about specifically, him. I think. Yeah. He never really... He has a hard time with a lot of those same dynamics, I think, again, later well, in the Well, speaking of Xander and love, I will say, this is episode four, and we're already realizing that it's demons true. kind of have a thing for Xander. Xander <laughs> will get with a lot of demons. <laughs> and maybe no humans. Uh, mm. No, that's not true. Maybe one human. There's a very uh, 
prominent one. human that we True, or right. two that we've forgotten about here. But um, yeah, mm, demons yeah. really like Xander. Like yeah. that's and and they don't really kind of play that up here. And I think they never really call that out until um, well, three or four season, season three or four, four yeah. I think. Um, but it is it is kind of a running gag that carries through the show. Is like Xander's mm-hmm. like demons are going to like pick Xander out of a crowd and like mm-hmm. kind Did you of say Well, I was trying to say zero in on, but then I started to say Xander. So yeah, Xander. Xander. Xander uh, the yeah. demon magnet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and, and like I said, like, I don't know how much of this is premeditated or just happy accidents that they recognized and built on. And it's, mm-hmm. maybe it's an example of, you know, writers really living within the world that they created. But I love how early this is popping up. Yeah, no, that is funny. So much, yeah, so much of these. That again, yeah, that, I think that that's what that is fun about watching these is just how much it is pretty tight. There's not that much retconning. I think the, the Giles never having cast a spell is pretty much the only thing. Yeah, but in the grand scheme of things, I suppose that's pretty minor. It's pretty minor. Yeah, <laughs> kind of odd. It is. Yeah, but yeah. Although I will okay. say about that that it does not seem like magic is that difficult to learn. It's true. <laughs> That's a good point. Like they aren't really kind of making a case of like you need to have a special talent. It's just like however much you practice or whatever. And I think Giles well, you do could, have to have a talent, but sure, that's but the I, same as anything. I think of, Giles like, has a could... fair amount of practice throughout the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. So what I'm I'm looking forward to next week's episodes. I. Am as well. So, especially because um, one of them, the pack, is... That's the one I'm really looking forward so, to. <laughs> I think I mentioned in this special anniversary um, disc set that I have, like, mm-hmm. Joss Whedon talks about some of his favorite episodes. But what he does is he talks about favorite episodes that he didn't write. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. So, and the only one in it from, um, I think the only one from season one is the pack. Okay. And... Yeah, that's a pretty dark episode that it's we're really, into. Yeah. Um, it's a good episode, though. I yeah. The other one is let's never see, kill so a boy. On never the first kill date. a boy on the first date. That's, that's another right. good one. I always forget about that episode, and every time I watch, I'm like, oh yeah, this is pretty funny. I do too, but which is weird because I feel like it introduces a pretty important element for this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah, there's yeah, there's there's, the, there's that, and then the pack. But I am mm-hmm. most excited for the pack. Me too. Which is also a very Xander-centric episode. It so. is. But it's dark Xander. <laughs> He's evil. <laughs> or just possessed. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that next time. But and, and those are both, like, you know, we have one that's kind of returning to the world of the vampires and the other that's kind of a monster of the week. So mm-hmm. I think that'll be, like, a nicer balance. These two are very heavily on the, like, demons. Mom, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think part of that, too, is, like, because, you know, you have the end of the um, the two pilot episodes, and Giles is very excitedly telling them about all the, the monsters they're going to face. Yeah, exactly. And so it's time we that we see it. some of them. Exactly. Um, yeah. And keep the vampires kind of simmering in the background. And, you know, because, you know, the claw vampire shows up and angel shows up. Well, okay, sorry. I shouldn't say that. We don't know that angel's a vampire. I'm, yeah. I'm pretending to be well, ignorant. We, we know. I think we mentioned this last time, but like twenty-year-old we spoilers we're yeah. not worrying about. <laughs> Sorry, um, everybody. <laughs> I think we should put a little disclaimer. I suppose, like, if you haven't watched Buffy and you don't want to be spoiled, then maybe don't 
listen to some parts of this. I don't know. We don't, like, indicate them clearly when we're no, talking about it. I don't know how to approach that. Like, it's at the same time, it's like I understand this idea of, like, not wanting to know, but also how much could you not know at this point? Yeah, like, just it's true. From osmosis. Like, I think that's the thing about Buffy that everyone knows is, like, she dates vampires. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I hope nobody know, doesn't know that Angel is a vampire. That just, he had his own show. <laughs> yeah. It's not a secret. I mean... Not a well-kept secret. It only is going to last another two episodes, two, three episodes. Yeah, if they don't know, then episode seven is going to be a big surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not because they're listening to us right now, revealing everything. Angel's a vampire. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. And you very nicely pointed me this week, this week to some of the AV Club articles that they did a few weeks ago for the 20th anniversary, which yes. I just really hadn't kept up with. But um, I hadn't now either. that I started going through them, I'm like, okay, this is, yeah, I'm excited to just make my way through it. They did a Buffy week where they just had all kinds of features and articles. Did um, they really? And interviews. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So that, that interview with Tara, with not Tara. Amber Benson that you sent me was part of a whole series. They did 11 questions with it, at least six, like five or six of the oh, actors. No, I, I read really all of those. I didn't know if okay. there were other features that they... Yeah, there were a bunch of other oh, ones. Oh, I'm going to have to go back through the archives and dig around. Mm-hmm. I, I Like you, like I knew this was happening, but for whatever reason, you know, I just didn't really dig that much into the, the media coverage surrounding mm-hmm. this. I think I was a little bit overwhelmed. And then I was also like, ah, I don't want to get all these other thoughts in my head before we start. Because we didn't start recording this on purpose for the 20th anniversary. That was just like a happy accident, but... I, I was also like, oh, I don't want to read what everyone else is saying because then it's going to be, I'm right. just going to end up accidentally copying it or something. So, But you know I what like- I missed out on that's kind of frustrating is there were some great um, roundups of like uh, really feminist quotes from mm-hmm. the show and some of them would have been awesome to write on my sign for the Women's March, to oh. be honest. Like, I really feel like that was a missed opportunity. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, hmm, for the next one, mm. I'll have some good Buffy quotes to put on there. I know um, what my favorite one is, but it wouldn't really work for a sign. I don't know. It depends on how small your lettering is, I suppose. No, no, no. I just think it doesn't make sense. Okay. There's just an episode later, and I think it's season three, where she says something about, like, my emotions aren't a weakness. They give me power. And I feel like that's just, like, every time okay. I hear it, I'm like, God, that was so modern. Like, how did how did you know that was going to kind of, you know, anyway. Yeah, Jenny, kind of your like, emotions aren't like a weakness. They give you power. Exactly. Remember that every day. I do. Every day when I'm super emotional. <laughs> That's a really good thing to tell yourself, like, if you're, like, ever crying in the this bathroom at work. This is power. It's making me better. Behold the power. <laughs> Go back in and show them your power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, but I am looking forward to now kind of going back in... Um, revisiting some of that media coverage and mm-hmm. I stumbled upon those like interviews the other day and it was really exciting and actually some of them I think I kind of bookmarked and I want to come back to eventually yeah um, they had a, some of those characters think, yeah um, James Marsters was one of the um those are, yeah the actors those were the two that I read was him and Amber Benson yeah and um he had some interesting thoughts about things I want to talk about down the road yeah um which is which is interesting because you know the episodes he brought up are very much reasons why I'm not Team Spike. So um, that'll be fun to talk it's about. It's a fight for much later. Yeah, for <laughs> much, much later. We don't even Amber know Benson who is Team Spike. Spike. Who is Spike? We don't know who Spike is. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, okay, so that's Buffy for this week. Um, yeah. One thing I want to talk about, because this is like a fan cast. Like, you know, obviously we're two people who are pretty into pop culture so mm-hmm. you know and we're talking about 20 year old pop culture 
Um, but part of what you and I kind of bond over is like the pop culture that we're enjoying. So is there anything that you would recommend that you're watching or reading at the moment? I think uh, I know. Well, I have a guess what you could with say. this question, but so I don't know. Um, I could answer for you if you want. <laughs> I could tell everyone what you've been telling me to watch for like two months. What have I been telling you to watch for two months? Terrace House. Oh my God. Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's not on the top of my mind because I'm actually behind right now. So uh, they just released a bunch of new episodes two weeks ago and I haven't watched them yet. So it's, uh, yeah, no, I love Terrace House. Everybody should watch it. <laughs> it's this great show uh, where it's basically real world meets The Bachelor, but set in Japan, um, set in Tokyo. There's actually a couple seasons that aired before in Japan, but you, I have not been able to find them in the U.S., especially subtitled yet. So, um, yeah, but the first season is, like, it's, like, 45 episodes. It's so great. It's great because uh, the people are there to, like, achieve their dreams, but also maybe find love. <laughs> it's three women and three men that live in the house together. And as soon as – it's also, the like, some of the really unique elements are that um, people leave the house when they feel like their time is done. So it's, like – obviously like an American reality television show you would n- nobody ever leaves those people are all there to become famous you're there to um, win <laughs> exactly but these are people who are like well my hat business is going really well so I gotta go I got a lot of work to do <laughs> um, or they pair off and then they're like well we're dating now so we'll see you later um and then they get replaced with new people you know new people so it's, oh, so it's, it's like a rotating cast. cast yeah okay um but the other really thing that makes it special is that there's a panel of commentators who are, um, they're all like TV personalities. And so they watch the same footage that you, the viewer are watching. And then they're, so it's like two or three times throughout the episode, it cuts to the commentators and they're just like, whoa, I can't believe so-and-so said this. And I think it's because of blah, blah, blah. And like they're comedians. So they're really funny. And it's just like, it's just a really great dynamic. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Although the second season is, uh, set in Hawaii. It's not the second season, but it's the second season available in the U S. Um, it's been a little bit hit or miss. I've heard that it's getting a lot better, but those are the episodes that I haven't watched yet. So it's 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 weird to put this kind of dynamic of half the people are Japanese and half of them are American living and they're in they're in Hawaii, so they're not. It's just a lot of threw things off a lot. So I'm okay. mediocre uh, uh, recommendation on the second season, but Tokyo, the one set in Tokyo, it's called Boy, Boys and Girls in the City. It's fantastic. <laughs> It only gets better. It's like, it starts off kind of slow, and then, like, little by little, you're just like, oh, my God, I care so much about all these people. <laughs> well, I will tell you that I 100% trust your judgment, and I do intend to eventually watch it, but I still have so many things that I need yeah. to get to. It's like, oh, there's so much, there's too much TV now. Like, can we there agree is. on that? It's like, really, it's just, really tough, yeah. Like, I haven't even watched, like, second episodes of shows that I started two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's Like, at a certain point, you have to kind of just realize it's not going to happen. Exactly. You just got to pick your battles. Yeah. Um, so I guess what are now, you watching? Well, does it have to be TV? Or can no, I... it could be so, whatever. I mean, I, I guess I could talk about TV shows. I don't know. Like, I just watched Legion, and I really mm. enjoyed that a lot. It's, like, really crazy, and I didn't follow half the episodes until, like, the very end, and it was... Aubrey Plaza was amazing. I think I didn't realize she was in it. Okay. She is, and she is, like, the creepiest thing ever. Um, yeah. Every time, you know, from Parks and Rec where April kind of does something creepy at the camera, like multiply it by like a thousand and like... Yeah, know, I could definitely yeah. see that. Um, but I don't know. I was going to mention like another podcast that I... Just because... No, no. Um, you can't mention other podcasts. There's no other podcasts. Oh, okay. Never mind. I'm just kidding. I'm just, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, because like, so I guess last month, like um, 
all the podcasts that I was listening to, they were doing this thing called um, Tripod. Tripod, which was, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you heard about that. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a nice idea. So, it was, yeah. Um, but I was just thinking about it because there's this one podcast that I really, really enjoy um, about Hollywood. Like, and it's called You Must Remember This. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, really well-researched and really well done. And, you know, the last few seasons, she started doing, like, these series of, like, thematic, like, series of episodes. Mm-hmm. And the current one is called Dead Blondes. And oh, interesting. I'm really enjoying it. Like, okay. just a lot of dead blonde ladies in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, you know, they died, like, you know, some of them 100 years ago. It's um, characters or it's actors? Like Not 100 years ago, but uh, actors, like actresses. Okay. Like, Marilyn Monroe had okay, an episode, Gene exactly. um, Harlow, Got you know, and, and some really interesting... Um, small like small and it's not all like you know big stars it's like you know mm-hmm. kind of like actresses who maybe had like one or two roles and you know, you've never really heard of them but it, it to me like this thing it's like this the backdrop is Hollywood and like what's going on but at the same time it's like this really fascinating study in time yeah and, like no, cultural really events and like what's going on and I just really enjoy it like that's kind of what I love to listen to when I walk to work mm-hmm. it's really nice mm-hmm. okay so, yeah I don't know like because otherwise TV it's like Obviously, I'm watching TV, but yeah. I'm watching really crappy shows right now because that's, like, the most I can really handle. Like, I it, pretty much if there's a superhero show on the CW, I'm probably watching it on a regular <laughs> basis. Um, I mostly just rewatch things. I mean, I think I rewatched Parks and Rec, like, twice mm-hmm. this year already. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I think that there's an element that's happening right now for me of, like, comfort TV. Yeah. Because, I just want to know. My news habit is not great for mental health, so right. <laughs> I have yeah. to kind of find the, the fun where you can. Well, you should really watch Terrace It sounds like I should, <laughs> and you're not so the only person who like, suggested it to me, so I should Wait, just, who else suggested it to you? Uh, I think, like, a coworker was trying to tell me about it, mm-hmm. and... Um, you should listen to that coworker. And I've started to listen to... I've started to notice there's, like, a few articles popping up here and there. Like, I know. You're missing out on this show. You are. Yeah. There was a Vulture article this week. Someone else sent it to me. Yeah. Um, speaking Somebody of other podcasts, I, I heard that Jordan recommended it on his podcast. Yeah, that's yeah. because I recommended it to him. Yes. See, full I'm circle very here. influential <laughs> in certain circles. We won't mention the name of his podcast. We already plugged one yeah, podcast no, 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 on no this episode, so we're not going to talk about another one. <laughs> no more for you advertising. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. But it, I, I, I will really say truthfully, it's such a like sweet. It's the way that like Great British Bake Off is just like it's so not American reality that you're like, oh my god, people can just be nice, or you know, people can have disputes but resolve them with like maturity. <laughs> it's very soothing. It's really. Did you see that they announced the cast? For oh, the I did. I have nothing like no. No, interest I can't in having anything to do with that. It is I that other guess. guy from the IT crowd, but. Wait, what? He's the the goth guy. No. Yeah, really? Was. I yes. No, it was yes. not. So I looked up, I was like, that kind of looks like guys, that who it is. I looked it up and it's definitely him. Speaking of IT crowd, that is one on my list to rewatch imminently mm-hmm. because I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, you know, I need to go back and watch that again. I, I didn't recognize him at all. I was talking about tonight about the one where I? Chen dates a guy who looks like a, a magician. <laughs> uh, people didn't really get it, but it was funny to me, so whatever. Anyway. Yeah, so let's rewatch IT Crowd, and you watch Terrace House, and I'll listen to um, You Must Remember This. Yeah. Um, sounds like a plan. Lovely. Yeah. Okay. Um, and in the meantime, we're going to go rewatch. Um, Never, Never Kill More Than First Date? Yeah. And uh, pff, The Pack. The Pack. <laughs> I don't know why. My, wow, my memory is 
going quickly. Uh, I only had one glass of wine while we were doing this. <laughs> it, was a, it was a vino verde. It's pretty light. <laughs> I'm not going to fess up to what I've drank. Well, I know you were out, so it's okay. <laughs> Remember, we talked about this. As long as you ate, it's all right. I did. I did yeah. eat a lot. A lot of tater tots. <laughs> well, there you I'm go. I'm an adult. <laughs> just fess up to your fried potatoes. There you go. Yeah. No, I will. Yeah. My favorite bar has $4 beers and tater tots, and it's just like, well, what are you going to do? You found $4 beers in New York City? Um, until 8 o'clock, yeah. Super impressive. It, I don't think those exist It's the only place. It's not the only place. It's one of the only places. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll be back next week. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Until then, we're going to come up with a catchy sign-off. <laughs> I've, got, I've got my sign-off. What's your sign-off? I'm Team Spike. <laughs> And I'm Team Angel. Okay. okay. But I don't want that to be my sign off because I'm like Team Angel with a huge butt. Ugh. Like not Angel's <laughs> you know, not not Angel's huge butt. Just Team Angel okay. with a with a capital oh. butt. All right. Really so we'll keep just working on our sign off, but I'm pretty committed so. to mine. <laughs> okay, I know what I know what you can say yours again. I'm Team Spike. And you're wrong. Goodbye. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie And me, Ginny Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com With any feedback, questions, comments that you have And find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com